Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Welcome one and all to another hour of Roadworthy Drive. It's 2018. If you're listening to me now, it means you have made it over, just so you know. And I'm so glad you did. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. Regular listeners know that this is no ordinary car show. We're not a grease, oil, and garage show here, although it's been argued by some that I've got gasoline in my veins and occasionally run a quart low. What Roadworthy Drive is, in fact, is a tech and consumer information show that is automotively focused. My team and I do the research on the breaking automotive news and the technology so that I can explain it to you in easy-to-understand terms. But I don't stop there. I also share with you the years of experience in automotive consumerism that I've developed so that you can benefit right now. Be you in the first stages of buying a newer used vehicle, leasing, or even insurance. <laughs> yep, I got you covered. One hour with me each week will allow you to be a better shopper and more aware consumer of automotive goods and services. The best part is that you don't have to speak automotive to reap the benefits. A bit later during this first segment, I'm going to share with you my recent new vehicle venture with the missus. Yep, she bought a new vehicle. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Later, those observations will lead to a conversation about perhaps the death of the great American family-sized sedan. Coming up after that, I will literally change gears as I muse about the 2019 full-size trucks that will be coming to market. Finally, it's a look into the future in the last part of the program as I venture into the autonomous vehicle experience. So much to get to. But first, you're more than welcome to join me in the conversation. We've made it easy. Call or text the Roadworthy Driveline anytime. That number, 872 872- Two 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 nine seven nine three. If you'd rather email me, that's okay too. My address is Ken at RoadworthyDrive dot com. Call, text, or write. It's all good. Now, Roadworthy Drive is a team effort, and we're fortunate to have in studio and at the controls a man with almost thirty years of experience. That man, of course, my good friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer Jack DeLeon. Happy New Year, Jack. Happy New Year to you, too, sir. So, finally, the Mrs. Carr died. Well, didn't die. Uh, We finally got to a point where we needed to take it around back and shoot it. Okay. I Believe me, bud, I understand. But, you know, before we even get to that, you know, we talk about experience, and today we had to lean on a considerable amount of your experience since we had some technological problems in getting the show produced. Uh, Yeah, we did. We got them all fixed up. We're fine, and we're going to move on. Because the brothers, he's great like that. Yeah, Yeah, he is. Okay, but you really think... That the great American sedan is going to be dead. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in the first segment and uh, offer some proof. And actually, you know this this time that I spent, uh, the missus finally got to a point where she said, "Okay, I need to replace the minivan." Now, for those of you that may not know, the missus was driving a 15 year old 
Dodge Grand Caravan 2002 with 192,000 miles on it. Been hit hard twice in its life. It had lived a hard, disrespected life, that minivan. But she was still driving it. It was still running. But like older folk, and no offense to older folk, I'm kind of one myself, minivan was incontinent. It leaked everything. Wow. Uh, did I mention everything? Yep. Okay. Um, it's interesting to note. I mean, I've represented people down through the years, through the process. Mm-hmm. But it's always a little bit different when it's you. Uh, yeah, it is. Now, unlike the disaster I talked about a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. we did things right this time. When she finally got to that point, the first thing I did is I took a day and I picked out a list of 15 different vehicles. Now, knowing the one thing that she did like, and she said this year, over the years, she liked sitting up high. And she wasn't about to give that up in her minivan. So I knew that given her size and what she's comfortable driving and the fact she never, ever, 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 ever wanted to own a minivan again after two of them. Mm-hmm. And did I mention she never wanted to own a minivan again? Yes, she did. Okay. Um, I looked at this growing field, and now I know why, of small or what they call compact sport utilities. Or actually, they're called compact utility vehicles, or CUVs. Crossovers? Well, they're crossovers, sort of utility vehicles. The automakers have been blurring that distinction. Okay. So the really the, the, the accurate distinction of the small urban crossover is a compact utility vehicle or CUV. Okay. We've seen now we've talked about it here. We've seen an increasing number of them come to market. Nissan has come out this year with the kicks um, and others. Uh, Hyundai just introduced the Kona at the Los Angeles uh, Auto Show this past year, and there are others that are coming and they're smaller. But they're more versatile. Okay, so are you like talking about like the Chevy Equinox? No, Jeep, Chevy Trax, which is smaller. Oh, than okay, yeah, okay, we're smaller. We're, we're down that far. We're okay. down that far. So, I compiled a list of those. I compiled a list of sedans. The big thing, because you've met my wife, she's shorter. She's petite. And, yeah, because of her build, we needed to make sure of two things. One, can you get in it with no problem? Yeah. Two, can you get the seatbelt on comfortably? And we're in a cold snap now, so it's actually the perfect time because she's wearing her boots. She's got her jacket on. If she can get into that vehicle now comfortably. She's fine in the summer. Exactly. So we started going through the list and working through the list. On New Year's Day, we drove around because I wanted to show her what they look like, and we started eliminating vehicles. The first day or uh, the first business day of the year, we visited some dealerships, and the first thing we did was I set her in the vehicle. Can you get in it? If you couldn't get in it, it was eliminated. And a number of vehicles got eliminated because of that. We finally got down to a small crossover and a sedan. Different automakers. Mm -hmm. We got down to these two. These are the two she ended up driving. Now, I thought, me personally, that the sedan would be a slam dunk. Had everything she wanted. She, it was one she was willing to drive. She fit in it fine, ran great. But she got the last thing we drove was the crossover. She got into that, fell in love with the thing. And by the time we're coming back to the dealer, she was driving it like she had owned it for years. She says, this is what I want. And we got a heck of a deal. One of the advantages that I learned right now in the industry is that 
a number of automakers still have 2017s not sold. And this vehicle was a brand new 2017. Wow. We got a heck of a deal. Now, it also helped that I'd known a dealer for 30 years, and they're one of our local advertisers. That didn't hurt. Okay. Didn't hurt. But that's what she's driving now. She's got all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. heated seats, Ooh. heated steering wheel. Yep. And it's not leather. It's, it's cloth. It's cloth. And she's comfortable, and she loves it. She's got her satellite radio. All is good. And got it done, by the way. For not only less than $30,000, we got this deal done with money we got out of the trade-in plus cash back. We got it done for about twenty five. That is a great deal. Did well, I mention brand new? Yeah. Did I mention which, 60 miles on it? I want to ask you a question. Yeah. How either amazed or scared was she of all the technology in the car now? Um, She's learning it. She's coming to grips with it. I'm getting phone calls <laughs> <laughs> at work as she's learning, bet, learning the systems. I and, bet you are. And this has a lot. It really does. Um, but it's not obtrusive. It's not overwhelming. She can drive the vehicle. And like some of the vehicles that I've driven, the technology is so overwhelming that you literally have to try to turn some of it off. Mm-hmm. This is a vehicle that has the technology. She's safer, but it's not overwhelming. It's not overpowering. It's not oppressive. And that that's really a great thing. But what surprised me is how quickly she took to it. Well, and that's probably a good thing. Now, is her phone tied to a car? Actually, yes. They connected that. Bluetooth doesn't quite understand her slight what's remaining of her West Virginia accent. Oh, so yeah. So we're, we're kind of working through that. But, yeah, it's synced to the car, and she kind of likes that part. No, I'm sure she where does. Where it talks to the speakers. And it's, I don't know, is yours voice activated, by the way? Yes, mine is voice so activated. So is hers. And she likes the fact she can say, you know, call our son-in-law, call me, and the thing just dials. So, so much for that. So we're another uh, a couple that have walked into the tech world. Well, and you know what? That's a good thing. And like I said, you know this because we talked about this before on my new truck, the deal I got on mine, and it was a 17. You know, there you go. Now, when I come back, uh, is it curtains for the great American sedan? And then later, it's going to be a full-size slug fest. And Jack's going to love this. It's the 2019 full-size pickup trucks. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. RoadworthyDrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. premium gasoline that lets any car deliver all the power built into it. Gulf 4 Power No Knocks. Power for effortless cruising. Power for hills. Power for quick pickups. Power for passing. 
power-packed 65s. Feed them Gulf No-Knox, the four-power premium gasoline, where your driving takes a turn for the best at the sign of the orange disc. If you're just joining us, you're tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for dropping by. <laughs> I'm Ken Chester. Now, during our last segment, I shared my recent new vehicle shopping experience, seeking out a vehicle for my wife. Now, you have to understand, uh, bless her heart, her idea of tech, she, her and technology, not so much. She's kicking and screaming. When she got her first smartphone, it was almost, yeah, it was very emotional to drag her from her just regular phone. So this was a little less, but she's one, you know, can it start? Where's the key? Does it start up? Can I get there? I'm fine. Does it have a key? It does, but it also has push button start. And oh, thank you. The other thing she's grown to like immediately, it has a remote engine start. She, oh, I'm sure she loves that. She used it this morning. There you go. Actually, yeah, mother likes that a lot. Mommy likes. Um, having said all that, and the fact that this is not exactly a compact, cro- it's not the smallest crossover. Now, it's smaller. But not the smallest that they're currently selling. It's a nice size. It's a nice size. But this thing, uh, at the prices that we paid, has a whole lot of tech and a whole lot of comfort equipment in it. I mean, like I mentioned, heated seats, remote engine start, heated steering wheel, all-wheel drive. All these things are in that vehicle that she's driving mm-hmm. right now. And I said for twenty five grand. Yep. So having said that, um, it appears that my personal choice for what I would own, which would be a sedan, a four-door, family-size, American-built, preferably, sedan, is grossly out of step with things. Um, at least that's what appears as far as the industry is concerned. Um, well, tell you what, let's bring Sasha into this conversation. And Sasha, what do you think? I I happen to agree. I don't think that there is a future for the sedan. Uh, Why do you say that? Well, with the crossovers coming out and with all these new, um, most people want the room. Even if you're single and you don't have to worry about kids, most people, you know, they go, they escape for, you know, weekends out. You know, they might want to take luggage. I just don't think that the sedan is necessarily. Let let me give you an example. And even against myself here, uh, one prime example, BMW 7 Series, which is not really a fair comparison, but it's a full-size luxury car that was redesigned a couple of years ago. Uh, its demand, which you would think would be unique and special because it's not just a sedan, mm-hmm. uh, basically collapsed. And I wonder if it's the Camary and the coal mine. They said that even though the redesign is two years old, mm-hmm. sales have dropped off a cliff. Literally. Well, and I think this, the the sales for you know the Chevys, the Fords, and the rest of them, if it's a car, those sales are already down to begin with. Well, let me throw this at you because I got to thinking about this. Here are midsize cars for sale in the American marketplace today: Toyota Camry, Honda Accord, Hyundai Sonata, Subaru Legacy, mm-hmm. Mazda Six, Chevrolet Malibu, Nissan Altima, Kia Optima. Those are midsize. 
less than 30 grand, you could own any of these cars, affordable cars today. If I was to stay in that same realm of large cars, but affordable, not luxury, mm-hmm. Chevy Impala, Buick LaCrosse, Toyota Avalon. And here's the thing. These cars, even though people have been going to SUVs, going to trucks, and now going to this new sub-segment uh, called the compact, uh, utili- compact Utility Vehicle, which is, in some cases, what we used to call a crossover, some cases an SUV. And in case you don't know the difference, a crossover looks like an SUV but is on a car chassis. An SUV typically was on a truck chassis. Yep. And okay. I needed to explain that because they're blurring that now. Yeah. Because when they say a compact utility vehicle, it could be either. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. In the case of the BMW, there is one there is one vehicle that's beating the pants off it. What's that? As my producer would say, wait for it. Mm-hmm. Tesla Model S. I know that's right. That it because because Mark uh, Elon Musk made it cool to own an expensive electric car. Yep. Uh, people are making that choice. That why buy spend that kind of money on a 7 Series when you can own a Model S uh, and have less maintenance, less cost, and still be really cool. But you can't get the car yet. Actually, the Model S has been out for some time. It's the Model 3 that you haven't Yeah, it's the Model 3 that they're having. I get confused with that. It's okay, so And the Model 3, which if you think about it, in the realm, if you say the sedan is dead, then was Elon Musk a fool to bring out an affordable all-electric car with an over 200-mile range that they said was affordable, which, by the way, cost more money than all the family sedans I just listed, save for the large ones. Yeah, but it's one of those thing, type of things where it might cost more, but to own it, does it cost more? And that, that kind lady, between fuel economy and ownership. And that's what's killing the sedans, that the crossovers yep. are getting almost as good. I think my wife's one that she bought, I think, want to say, was high 20s, low 30s? Yeah. With all-wheel drive? Yeah. Yep. And, and, and my truck right now is hitting almost 17 in the city and 20, 22 on the highway. Really? Yeah. But, yep. But here's that the thing. Is, but here's okay. the thing. Any midsize sedan I buy will beat you by 10 to 15 miles a gallon. I get that. Hands down, hand behind my back. Ford's even talking about killing the Fusion. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, yeah. But remember, we we talked about um, GM last year looking at their midsize cars that may be ripe, including the Impala, uh, for getting discontinued. We talked about that. Yeah, we did. So here we are. And now the Fusion... Which I'm wondering what's going to happen to the Lincoln MKZ, which is built on that same platform. No words about that because you can't make it work. If you're not going to build a fusion in this country, you can't support the Lincoln by itself. No. So that should be really interesting. But, yeah, I was looking at the numbers, and basically what they're saying is not – also, the fact that the crossovers are more profitable to the automakers. Oh, that's true. Uh, But with – if there's parity in fuel economy – then the crossovers went out every single time. So, story we'll keep looking at. Now, when I come back, it's an American slugfest um, that we could, Jack will be able to weigh in on this the 2019 full size pickup truck. And then for the final segment, the autonomous vehicle experience. 
Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. RoadworthyDrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. Welcome to segment three of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Now, before I continue, I have it on good authority that you, yeah, I'm talking to you, haven't checked out our completely new and improved website, www.roadworthydrive.com. I'm really excited about how the updates turned out, and after you visit, so will you. We made it easier for you to watch videos of our behind-the-scenes antics in studio, as well as audio clips of past shows. You can now even find out where you can hear Roadworthy Drive across the country near you. Did you know we even produce a short format program called the Roadworthy Drive Minute? Yep. You can use the website to find out where you can hear that through the week as well. The website is also a great place to discover where we are and what we are up to during the week in the universe of social media. Sasha is our local and social Media Diva, and she keeps things hopping during the week with unique and interesting news and technology. See how she keeps the social and our social media. And oh yeah, be sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's free. And may I say that I absolutely love the redesign of the website. Well, Sasha did a really, really, really good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You there, Sasha? Yes, I said okay. thank you. Okay, well, you're very welcome. <laughs> we're, we were wondering if you're still with us. I am. Okay, awesome. Well, I definitely want your input on this. Uh, for the record, uh, Sasha is a full-size truck diva herself. I am, yeah. Loves her trucks. Yes, I do. So we're going to talk about, in this segment, full-size pickup trucks. Here's the deal. Chevy, Ford, and Ram are all coming up with either redesigned, updated, or all-brand-new pickups for 2019. Do we have to discuss the Ram? Thank you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why, why we got haters? No, because. it's not hate. I That redesign looks like a Chevy Silverado. Yep. Oh, my. Oh, my. Made me I, give up my Mopar card. Oh, what? Yep. Boy, there's no love up in here, boy, I tell you. But here's the thing. While there may not be a lot of love for that particular pickup, it's interesting because, honestly... The move towards full-size pickups has been going on for almost 30 years. Yeah. And honestly, it would be my argument that the big first move in that direction actually started with the Dodge Boys with their launch of the robust Cummings diesel engine in the 25 and 3500 pickups probably in the late 80s. It basically saved them. It kept them in the game. Yeah, it did. Because that particular engine gave you some wicked towing that wasn't available from the other boys. Well, and it turned into the family vehicle for a lot of people. It evolved into it. But here's the thing. Ram sales really took off when they they launched the all-new pickup in 93 Mm -hmm. uh, with that big rig look. Let me give you an example. Those two things kept them in the truck business. Now, the year before, say 91, 92... Dodge was selling maybe 90,000 full-size pickup trucks. 93, the year of their big rig redesign, 200 
70,000. I would believe that. And here's the thing. They couldn't build them all that year. They actually kicked some of them into the 94 model year. Because they, really? they couldn't meet the demand. Yeah. You know. And I think that really, if I was to pick a place where this really started to catch fire and gain momentum across that segment, that's it. Now, here's the other thing. Pickup trucks are uniquely American. You don't find full-size pickup trucks um, being built by automakers in other countries. And really, the only other two pickups, if you're not looking at a Ram, a Chevy, or Ford, or a GMC, which is basically a Chevy, then you could look at the full-size Toyota Tundra. Tundra, yes. Or the full-size Nissan Titan. Uh, but wait a minute. Why? <laughs> wow. Why all the hate up in here? I may, have my may favorites. I, may I point out to you, ma'am? Yes. That those two trucks, the Toyota, mm-hmm. made in San Antonio, Texas. Thank you very much. I, I'm not here. Uh, excuse the me. The Nissan uh-huh. made Mississippi. Thank you very much. Been to the plant. And? American made, though. I, I'm just saying. Yeah, American made, though. Toyota. Yes. Uh, give me a Tundra. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, all right, then. I'm just saying. San Antonio. But the thing is, because they haven't gone all in with respect to like three-quarter ton, one ton, and all the myriad of configurations, Detroit pretty much still owns this market. Yeah. I mean, I think you're looking at – I don't think Toyota and Nissan combined come up to half of what what Dodge sells. And there is a reason uh, that – one very satisfied for a truck owner in the studio. Uh, yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> Who would about, that be? Yeah, we don't know. Uh, there is a reason why that the that the F series pickup has been the best selling, not just best selling truck, best selling vehicle for going on forty years now. Because people don't know any better. Oh, will you stop it? I'm just saying. Wow. You know, I could shut her mic off. <laughs> Ooh, they, well, you know, he said he's the one with the with the power with the in the power relationship. In the, but yes, you like ma'am. me, Jack. Yes, true. Let's see. But let me let me let me throw this at you. As I was looking at this, and honestly, I really think that even though, you know, the pickups are where the money is, and people still love their pickups, I think the day of reckoning is coming. I mean, you you can buy. Either a three-quarter ton uh, Ram quad cab Laramie mm. uh, all-wheel drive tricked yes. out to the nines. Yes. Or you can buy a Ford F-150 Platinum, and you're closing in on ninety grand. Yeah, it's insane. I know. It's crazy. Did I mention $90,000 for a truck? Plus, now the the other problem that you have, and we, we ran into this okay. you know, with the construction company. We could, we can no longer find a quote unquote air quote work truck. You yeah. gotta you gotta order it. Yeah, you yeah. have to order you, it. Now. You, well, because most consumers are gravitating towards the high end, and that's where the money is. That's where the dealers are. I'll give you another example: uh, GMC. Mm-hmm. Roughly, depending on the product line, upwards of fifty five percent of what they sell in trucks and SUVs mm-hmm. is Denali's. Yep. Uh, did I hear a cash register? Cha-ching. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang, I don't have it on this page. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> but I think that, you know, we talked in the last segment about the compact utility vehicle. And these are vehicles that are going to run less than $30,000, basically, and really are well-equipped. 
And they're aiming them at what they call the urban lifestylers. But honestly, anybody who wants some additional mobility, additional utility, but you don't want it in a big package, and you want some semblance of fuel economy, uh, these things are going to be a hit. The big question is that despite the longer terms, because right now the average term is up over 72 months. Wow. You can actually, they're offering between six and seven years to pay for a vehicle now on a new vehicle. I'm about to say, aren't they almost up to eight? Uh, 84 months. They're up to seven years. That's yeah. 84 months. But do you realize on a RV, you can finance that thing out 10 years? Yeah, but it's an RV, though. That's I mean, that's a like a traveling different. house. That's I a get little it. Different. Yeah, that's a little different. But now, the kicker is, and I'll leave it with this, is all these full-size pickup trucks have a starting price of around twenty-seven, twenty-eight thousand. but I dare you to find one at that price. When I return, we're going to wrap this up with the autonomous vehicle experience. This is Roadworthy Drive. a question, idea, or comment for Ken, you can let him know by calling 872-888-9793, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave Ken a voicemail message or a text. If you're just joining us, this is the fourth and last segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Welcome. I'm Ken Chester. If you're a frequent listener, you know that I spend quite a bit of time keeping abreast of all the changes and evolution going on in the self-driving vehicle space. And really, one thing that we haven't really started to talk about yet is the actual experience of riding. Because you won't really be driving anymore in an autonomous vehicle. And I thought for this final segment, I might adventure some thoughts and observations on that very topic. And I'll start with this. What if I told you there is an automaker currently developing a vehicle that could read your mind? Didn't we talk about something like that where it was it was supposed to like interpret your mood and the, the vehicle would actually start like it would flash yeah, a different not, color? Yeah, but we're not talking mood ring. We're actually talking about uh, an automaker that is researching what it calls a brain-to-vehicle technology that can read your brainwaves and figure out what you're going to do next uh, uh, No, before you do it. Is this the one where it took like two people and one person was thinking left and the vehicle turned left? No. no. So it's like, is it reading your mind as to where, what destination you're going to? Or let, let me read this. Okay. This is an artificial intelligence system Obviously. that can predict if you're going to turn or brake and initiate an, the action two tenths to five tenths seconds before you react. Wow. Now I'm quoting a. Uh, this is Nissan, believe it or not. Of course. And I'm quoting one of the vice presidents, and this is what he said. Uh, or what she said, I'm sorry. Uh, when most people think about autonomous driving, they have a very impersonal vision of the future where humans relinquish control of the machines. What Nissan is calling B2V or brain-to-vehicle, technology does the opposite by using signals from their own brain to make the drive even more exciting and enjoyable. And, Jack, how could you not 
want something that still gives you control, particularly if it's going to make the drive more exciting and enjoyable. I don't understand. Exciting. That's a that's a nice way of saying almost to die. Oh, now I didn't read that. Hold on. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so, like, if I happen to pass somebody that I don't necessarily agree with, my brain thinks, wouldn't it be great if I just rammed into them? Uh, no. No? It's, no. Not going to do that. No. No. I would hope not. Now, Nissan already has something out on their new 2018 Leaf. Okay. They call the ProPilot system. So, it's a semi-autonomous assistant anyway. Okay. Under certain circumstances. Think of it as a Tesla autopilot. Think of it as GM's Super Cruise. But it's not like infiltrating my brain waves. No, not yet. So you're telling me that in the future, though, I might have to put on my aluminum hat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even when self-driving cars become the norm, however, manufacturers like Nissan say they will still give drivers control if they want. That would be me. Uh-huh. I kind of thought you would like that. Yes, uh, I do. What they're arguing is they're in, they're experimenting with ways to enhance manual driving, their words, and make it more fun. More fun. More fun. I would be very interested. Can, can we define more fun, please? Can, I mean, can we? <laughs> I, I, I would be I, very I, interested. I got nothing for what you. What do they do, these people that are putting more fun, what do they do for their corporate retreats? I am curious. More fun? Like, do they bungee cord with like a half-severed uh, cord? But <laughs> only Sasha, folks. Um, with Nissan, now, here's the biggest problem. One of the most difficult or more interesting areas of self-driving research centers on what they call the handoff of control from the computer to a human driver. In the case of uh, Google's Waymo, mm-hmm. uh, they want to move straight from level four to level five, straight to level four, level five, which is autonomous conditionally and then fully autonomous, right. where no driver intervention is required. And you know why? They found that drivers were too distracted to take control quickly enough. Yeah. Now, let me, let me calm your nerves. Nissan's system, on the other hand, is fully manual, with just being a, their words, minor technological assist. That sounds like a whole lot of gibberish to me. Uh, basically, it means uh, we're giving you just enough technology, uh, but not so much you couldn't take over. So you don't run screaming and looking for more fun. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But let me throw something else at you. What about, have you ever thought about uh, how autonomous vehicles may interact with a city or a town? I have all the time. All the time, I wonder. Uh huh. And what are you wondering? Well, I mean, when you're living in the city, you've got people that, you know, don't necessarily drive the safest, so they're constantly stopping. Um, when you're going through residential, you've got children that every once in a while they're playing outside and things go out there. How does an autonomous vehicle read or register these things? Well, here's the thing uh, this particular feature started because Elon Musk started uh, their words a flame war on Twitter. <laughs> Not a tweet storm, a flame war. A flame war. With the urban planning and mass transit community by mm-hmm. stating his words, not mine. Uh-huh. Uh, his words. Yes. I. Yeah. And I quote, uh-huh. public transportation sucks. That, <laughs> his words, y'all. His words. No, no, no hate, flame mail or email here, please. Uh, the underlying assumption that in the future... 
Individual transit would be the only transportation solution with a good user experience. The mistake, though, that they argue that Elon Musk is making mm-hmm. is that they're concentrating on the urban experience or the user experience of the person in the car. And unless you're planning to spend more time in the car, then we should focus on the user experience of being in cities and communities and let the user experience of individualized transport follow. In other words, make the cities more user-friendly so that they can coexist rather than force the autonomous car into that environment. So are we going to put, like, walls up so that way kids don't run out into the street in front of the autonomous car? Is that what you're saying? Or Well, no. We're going to talk about, with the time remaining, three parallel areas of development. Okay. Which is, one, uh, making the streets safer. Two, bringing the resources to the people so that the whole thing of transportation is lessened or unnecessary. Okay. Uh, And three, making it more affordable. Their argument, and I got a problem with this, is that they think if they move towards a shared autonomous vehicle world where AVs are cheap and easy to use, Mm -hmm. uh, that people would travel more, that even though there'd be fewer cars, there'd still be more trips, which means there'd be more traffic. I don't agree with that. And I'll I'll tell you why real quick. Uh, Simply because, you know, I need to go here, there, and everywhere. I don't need to go more. And, you know, that... We'll find out, I guess. Um, And with that, (laughs) of course, it's time to wrap things up. Be sure to tune in next time right here when I do it all over again with the information you need to know. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive team, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.